0: Today, it is my pleasure to welcome Candace Owens to the program. She has a new documentary, Convicting a Murderer, which is based on the Netflix series Making a Murderer, in which, I believe this is her quote, an argument can be made that Netflix made millions by transforming an irrevocably evil man, Stephen Avery, into a sympathetic character. Yes, that is her quote. You can follow Candace uh, over at X, uh, Real at real Candace O Candace Owens. Uh the series can be seen at Daily Wire Plus is a docu series convicting a murder. I've seen several episodes. It is quite compelling. And we're going to change gears a little bit today and do a little true crime conversation embedded in that true, co- tri- true crime conversation uh, is a bit of an analysis of our present-day media and what is going on, particularly documentaries. So let's get right to it. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company, we have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy that you hope you're not going to need,
1: but if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you
0: need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites, to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is forward slash TWC. To get 10% off today, just click on that link. There are three reasons the central banks are dumping the U.S. dollar. Inflation, deficit, spending, and our insurmountable national debt. The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, wars, political and economic upheaval dating back to biblical times. Gold. And you can own it in a tax shelter retirement account with the help of Birch Gold. That's right, Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k maybe from a previous employer, into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Just visit birchgold.com slash drew for your free info kit. They'll hold your hand through the entire process. Think about this. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar have? Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. I do not give financial advice, and previous performance is no guarantee of future performance. Visit birchgold.com slash drew to get your free info kit on gold. That is B-I-R-C-H-D-O-L-D dot com slash D-R-E-W. Quick reminder, tomorrow, Dr. Pierre Corey joins us again with uh, Kelly Victory. And next Tuesday, Ed Dowd makes uh, another appearance, and he's always a, a favorite. You guys are very interested in his data, so we'll see what is new with Ed Dowd. It is my privilege, as I said, to welcome Candace Owens today. I think you all know her. If you don't, I don't know where you've been. In addition to being a political commentator, she's host of The Candace Owens Show, author of New York Times bestseller, Blackout. You can follow Candace uh, on what used to be Twitter, is now X, at RealCandaceO. And the new docuseries is available at Daily Wire Plus. It is convicting a murderer. There's the... uh, billboard for that. Let's push her book up too, Caleb, if you don't mind. And you can follow Daily Wire, Daily Wire Plus, at Daily Wire Plus on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Please welcome Candace Owens. Candace, welcome.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: It is a privilege. You're coming to us from Nashville?
2: I'm coming from you, to you from Nashville, yes. It's great to be down here in the South.
0: Fantastic. It's, uh, you've been living there for a little while. It's gotta be Tennessee. I was there last, literally last weekend and uh, man, it's a very positive place. It's extraordinary, the growth, Uh, things can be different at certain places of this country. You forget when you live in California.
2: Yeah, it really does restore your faith in everything. And it kind of shows you that a lot of us have a microscopic view of what's going on in the country. You know, all of the good stuff I feel like happens in the middle. And yet we seem to be holding a microscope and we're always looking at what's happening in L.A. and what's happening in New York. And so as someone who came from New York, born in New York, you know, raised in the metropolitan area, to be able to move down south and to see people that reflect the American values that we know, it's been absolutely incredible. And obviously the move for me was inspired by having children and the whole Daily Wire network moved down here. So um, it's just been it's been absolutely wonderful.
0: Part of what you were just saying is what I want to zero in on today a bit, because I'm I'm fascinated by what's been going on in this country and the world recently. One of the areas of fascination, I have several, but one is uh, media and what media has been doing and the distortions of media and, and the crazy... Um, seeming unanimity of the chorus in so many areas of the media. Uh, COVID was just one big example of some of this. But interestingly, this documentary you've chosen on making a murderer is essentially the Netflix documentary that people became uh, galvanized around, was sort of the early days of Maybe the beginning, middle, the beginning, middle of of uh, media distortions. How did you come upon this project? What, what did you, had you were you a fan of that documentary? Were you worried about documentaries generally? What what got you to do this project?
2: I always say that it makes perfect sense if you have followed me politically and kind of my journey into what I call now an awakening you know realizing that much of what i had learned in the school system was a form of systematic brainwashing you know the belief that as a black american i was suffering even though if you look around black americans never in in any place in the world or any point in human history have had more opportunity than the black america people that are walking in america today black people are walking in america today and so as i began that political journey into realizing that there was a concerted effort by the culture the mainstream media and by the school system to create minds. Um, I've been interested in first examining how I was brainwashed and then kind of enlarging that understanding to the entire world, right? So I'm interested in a mass psychosis. You brought up COVID, of course, that was a mass psychosis. It's a concert effort by the media, by the school system, using experts to convince people that everyone was dying and that we were fe- facing another bubonic plague, and it was effective. That fascinates me. I was interested in a mass psychosis when it came to Black Lives Matter, which was my first uh, project that I did with, with The Daily Wire, exploring how people were able to be convinced that George Floyd wasn't just a person who died, unfortunately, um, but was a hero. People were getting baptized at one point where George Floyd where George Floyd died. They had basically had christened him. I mean, they had turned him into a figure like Jesus Christ. That's really bizarre. And so, if you like psychology um, as much as I do, and if you are interested in this period of hype, heightened propaganda and also a cultural battle battle for minds that we're facing right now. And it naturally leads you into looking at the mainstream media because they are the most potent form of brainwashing that exists today, right? And it's it's everywhere. The media is absolutely everywhere and they're fighting for minds. And so um, I was interested in this project because it is very similar on a large scale. It was kind of the first time that, NABL, uh, that uh, Netflix dabbled into documentaries, into a docu-series for the first time. They weren't that big uh, when this took place. And suddenly, they became massive. This docu-series was incredibly successful. And people weren't just convinced that Stephen Avery was not guilty because of this docu-series they formed what can only be described as a cult, <laughs> a, a Stephen Avery cult. And we show that later on in this docu-series. I don't want to offer any, you know, any spoilers except for the ones that have a- already been in the media, which is that you know he's got fiancees, he had people that wanted to marry him, people crying for him. And this man, after looking at everything that he's done throughout his lifetime, which we've explored in the first four episodes that are available, was nothing short of a monster. Fascinating. I wanted to dive into this project and unpack how that could possibly happen. How do we turn villains into heroes and why?
0: Yeah, that, that's a great question. And I I've generally been very concerned about how people consume documentaries, they they consume them as though they are deep academic dives into almost the way you can, you know, we'd read a uh, Chernow book or something, you know, it's like a, a, a biography, it, in point of fact, they are vehicles. For entertainment. They're trying to capture eyes like everything in the media. And they have a distinct point of view. They have a specific point out of view they set out usually to provide. I, do you know why the the two documentarians had such a that particular point of view?
2: It's really difficult to understand. I think probably when they set out to make the documentary and they first went up to you know, cover the story, their intentions were much purer. I think they were just kind of bored, looking for something to do. They saw what actually is an amazing story to consider, a man that actually was imprisoned for 12 years for something that he didn't do gets released. And then within two years, he's under investigation uh, for the disappearance the murder of somebody else. That's intre- you know, immediately compelling, no doubt. But after listening to their prison calls, which we will reveal later in episodes, and being aware now of how much they had um, once they started looking into this, it's difficult for me to understand or to imagine how these two women, which is important to say that they are women because Theresa Hallback was also a young woman who was killed, could have had the stomach to do what they did to go onto this press tour and to lie. Because when they said to people that they didn't have an angle, just as you said, um, what we will show via their prison calls is they were very clear about their angle when they were speaking to Stephen Avery. They told him that they believed him. That's an angle, right? So I don't mind yeah, yeah. Uh, creating a documentary. As you said, everybody has a viewpoint. I'm telling you right now that my viewpoint is Stephen Avery is a monster, but you should be forthcoming with that, right? So that people can know. This is the viewpoint that I'm trying to examine and try to show you. Here is my supporting conclusion to pretend that you're um, uh, completely agnostic on the matter as they did. Dishonest.
0: Well, let me let me play the trailer uh, and then I want to expose people a little bit to my history with this particular documentary because I was railing about it back in two thousand five. Fifteen or sixteen, whenever it was, on my old HLN program, and I remember talking about it on like Don Lemon or something. Uh, and and I actually later, I I interviewed the um, the prosecutor. Uh, I got to know him a little bit. Did you did you interview him in in the documentary? I didn't see that part.
2: I specifically didn't interview him, but we did include an interview from him in the documentary.
0: Okay, because he's got some interesting notions also about what happened uh let's just first play the trailer so here's the trailer uh it's a little bit cut down but we're gonna this gets certainly gives you the flavor of what you'll see when you watch the series. this is a
1: collect call from oh, Steve. an inmate at the calumet county jail the man served 18 years in prison until dna evidence cleared his name
0: the two rivers man was convicted of sexual assault in 1985 but exonerated with dna evidence in 2003
2: so this is the infamous Avery lot now
3: two years later he again finds himself tied to a police investigation
2: accused of murdering Teresa Hallbuck on the Avery property Stephen Avery's 16 year old nephew admitted his involvement in the rape and murder of Teresa Hallbuck. the car is discovered just around the bend
4: It was just this worldwide phenomenon. I think they framed this guy.
2: I think he intended to crush the vehicle, but ran out of time. Avery thinks the $36 million lawsuit he filed is why he's being targeted in this investigation. Netflix made millions of dollars from making a murderer, but the filmmakers left out very important details, mountains of evidence that you have not yet seen. They all know that Stephen Avery committed this crime.
1: 911, what is your
0: emergency? The evidence forces me to conclude that you are the most dangerous individual
2: ever to set foot in this courtroom.
0: And there it is. Do you think that this was the beginning, or was it already well underway? I just didn't know it. Uh, I, I guess maybe you know it was really on the heels of. Um, oh shoot! I, in my aging brain, I'm gonna forget the the uh, different names of the players. The the uh, the vigilante that shot the young kid in I think Trayvon it was Martin. Florida, Trayvon Martin. Uh, that, that had happened just around this time. Hadn't it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a perfect media firestorm for these two documentary makers, because there was this anti-police sentiment that was already building in the country. And so they created this docu-series, which. Laid down plausibility, you know, potentially that this person um, was being set up by police, you know, in this glorious thirty-six million dollar lawsuit game. And the reason that the mainstream media picked this up and had them on every single late night talk show and, you know, made this documentary docuseries so famous is not because they cared about Stephen Avery. It's not because they cared, obviously, about Teresa Hallback, his victim, but rather because they realized that they could extract a certain narrative that they were interested um, in perpetuating at that time, which is that police are rotten. People should be standing up and protesting police officers. Look, they're so rotten that it's not even just black men that they're doing this to. It's even white, men and so Stephen avery became their icon in that moment like if this is even happening to white men so how can you not see how corrupt police forces are
0: so uh, we started covering this on hln back in 2000 i guess 15 somewhere around there and uh I I already sensed uh exactly what you uncovered that that something wasn't right it just didn't didn't smell right to me and what was interesting is Nancy Grace agreed with me so and I think she she got pretty good judgment uh and the other thing that was interesting was my co-host and guest on the show were so biased against police. They were so convinced that they were planting evidence and the, and what about this? And, and I I thought, what about the guy with the long career criminal record? What, what about that? Isn't <laughs> Isn't isn't that mean anything to you? And the fact that as at the end of your little trailer there says a lot of seasoned professional really thought this, this guy this is a bad, this is a terrible dude. He would easily capable of doing something like this.
2: Yeah, and that to me is one of the other fascinating components of this is just what the human mind will do, how the human mind will bend, how it just won't go with this is the obvious answer, right? The obvious answer is the last place that she was was here. The obvious answer was that she felt uncomfortable around him. The obvious answer here is that he changed his story many times. The obvious answer is they found the car, you know, outside of his lot. But people so want to believe in in almost this anti-hero narrative, right? You have the anti-hero. And we see that, by the way, not just in real life, but it's also being reflected in, in fantasy, right? So look at all of the Disney movies, all the comics. Now they're trying to soften uh, people that were bad. The Joker, well, let's re-examine what actually happened to the Joker before he went to the Joker, right? Before he became a Joker. Don't you feel sympathetic for him? Uh, Maleficent uh, from Snow White, is, or, or is that Snow White? Yes, from Snow White. Uh, okay, but like before we get into Maleficent, um, you have to actually look into her history and Angelina Jolie plays her, and now she's actually a sympathetic character that actually really has a heart. You see this over and over and again, that we're in this period where we are trying to turn (laughs) these villains into heroes. And Netflix, by the way, is notoriously guilty for this. I mean, they just did the softening of Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. People were compelled by a Netflix documentary that was trying to soften a career pedophile who ate his victims. Where are we at in society it's, when we can't just comical. objectively say it, that this person is was completely evil and does not need to be unearthed from the dead and to have his legacy not tainted, but but rather cleaned up by a Netflix docu series? So Netflix is always engaged um, in this sort of propaganda and rewriting of criminal history, and maybe it's because it's really, of the success it, of making a murderer. Maybe it's because of a well, being a murder that they y- went, let's just keep doing this.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. But but I think there's a cultural if if the culture wasn't already, you know, into this, didn't have an appetite for it, they wouldn't have this success, right? And I and I'm interested in looking a little bit at the historical sweep of this. Um before we do though, I, I just want to say, you know, I am, you know, the way I frame these things, you know, I get to shut the door. Oftentimes, and talk to people who've done horrible things. And so, I, you know, part of the job of mental health is being able to find sympath- sympathy for or empathy for people that are pretty hard to empathize for. And there are A, situations where you can find empathy. And then B, where people were under the influence of drugs and alcohol and did horrible things. And my position is when you do horrible things because you're a drug addict and you didn't take care of your drug addiction, you have to take the consequences, period, end of story. And that's part of getting well from this thing is making amends, which is cleaning up your side of the street. So you did horrible things under the influence of drugs and alcohol, that's on you for not coming to treatment before you did that, that's on you. And the fact that you did it is now on the legal system and your relationship with that legal system period if you killed somebody with dui I'm sorry, now it's a legal problem. It's no longer something we can we can talk about as part of your illness because you have you didn't take care of it in time. And then three, as you mentioned, uh, there are horrible people. There are people that are reprehensible, that are evil. We, we, we know this. <laughs> their brains don't work the way our brains do. They, they don't, other people's feelings don't really exist to them. People are there just for their own use and sometimes even for sadistic uh, enjoyment. And that's, exist, those those things exist. And to try to pretend they don't is uh, erroneous, frankly, and, and yeah. fallacious. But the interesting thing to me about all of this is, is the historical sweep. Now you're would you call yourself a Gen Xer? Is that sort of the, the group you're in? Or you're actually a millennial? A millennial. You're a millennial. millennial, so you must have been right at the cusp somewhere because you don't you don't have any millennial features. <laughs> but <laughs> but as such, <laughs> as such, you'll you'll uh, you'll appreciate this. So when I was an adolescent, we glorified sociopaths. Sociopaths were what we decided were the individuals that we would elevate to on high. I remember we made them student body president. They were the guys who learned to play guitar at 14 because they were depressed and couldn't get on socially. And magically, these were the guys in rock bands uh, who then acted out horribly, and we still haven't reconciled that. There's a good next good documentary for me, the horrible behavior of rock bands in the 70s. Um, but we elevated them to a status. Uh in fact, Jan Winter just got in trouble for writing a book about about these guys. And and I I always I always cringe when they they idolize these these uh musicians as great philosophers. They they were they were a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them were sociopaths, and we elevated them. Then we sort of moved into I don't know. Elevating narcissistic sociopaths—it sort of seemed like we were sort of more in that zone. And now we've decided that there's no such thing as a bad person, or something, or or that everybody <laughs> ha- has a—you know—everybody has a story that needs to be elevated, uh, which I, is kind of kind of nice. Were it true, if we could do it, I I, I understand all of it, frankly. It kind of all has a has a. Um, inspiring flavor to it but it's really misses the point that we're taking people that maybe we shouldn't be idolizing and idolizing them and that and that then impacts young people i think about your children i mean we we're in this weird phase uh, you, you see what i'm talking about if you, you have any sense of that yeah,
2: absolutely yeah we are we are in the period yeah. of excuses we're in the period of that there's there's no accountability yeah. right you, you we just have to dig deeper and understand why you're doing this and i talk about this often Uh, you know, I, I speak out against, um, the younger generation of psychologists and psychiatrists who are not giving people Mm. the tools to correct things in their lives, but instead handing them excuses. You did this bad thing. Well, let's talk about your childhood and figure out what happened in your childhood. Ah, See, actually, it's not really your fault that this happened to you. You had a bad relationship with your mother, and that's the reason why you're like this, and people around you need to understand this. We are hearing this over and over again. It's it's almost it's this entire practice of psychiatric affirmation, right? You're a bad person, um, but I'm going to affirm you in that bad person and tell you why it's not actually your fault. And I, you can always see somebody that's a product of too much therapy right now. And it's, I call it new age Mm. therapy because the old therapy, they would say to you, you need to get your, your stuff together. You know what I mean? A bad thing happened to you. Okay. Time to grow up and move on. Everybody's got a story. Nobody's got a perfect childhood. And I understand that, you know, daddy didn't call you back on Saturday. The whole time you were a kid doesn't really give you the right to strangle puppies. Jeffrey Dahmer, right? (laughs) New age therapy says, okay, coddle hug i totally understand why you're strangling the puppies and it's not really your fault here's a prescription
0: it's interesting i i yes. i Susan, susan's talking off michael you want to I'm bring like, in yikes. Yikes. <laughs> yikes well she's right correct i mean this is we see this
3: it's sad
0: well it's it's a miscarriage of the intention of these therapeutics the the, the therapeutics are you should be holding people accountable uh, and I, I noticed this uh, even a reality television we were watching a reality show and there was a there was a therapy component to it and somebody really acted terribly and the therapist showed up with coffee let's talk about it I thought oh my god you go hey Cut that shit out. You do that one more time. Mm-hmm. You are out of here. You understand me? Yeah. Okay. Now let's hear why you did that. I'm willing to listen, but do we understand each other? Behavior, not acceptable. Do you got it? Okay, good. Okay. And <laughs> I guess that's gone now. I did a many years of that. Uh, and, yeah. and by the way, by the way, including kicking people out of treatment and those people would walk up to me years later and say things like I had this happen to me more than once this exact thing. You know, uh, came up, shook my hand and I, and I shuddered a little bit. as because I recognize the person from having kicked them out of treatment. Uh, and he said, uh, you know, I wasn't ready to hear what you were trying to tell me. Um, you did exactly the right thing. Uh, it, I remembered it. It got me eventually on course. I had to go to the own level. I had to whatever I had level I had to go to, but I got back on course and now I'm a PhD in psychology and I'm treating other people and helping other addicts, whatever it might be. And I thought, Whoa. This, this is the right thing. Now, you don't abandon people. You offer them other treatments and things like that and places to go. But you don't tolerate intolerable behavior. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird
2: yeah, time. You're right. You, uh, and and uh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. A great cultural example of that uh, is you know, Black Lives Matter. Do you, uh, this is something that always sticks with me is when Black Americans, after George Floyd died, raced into the Target in Minnesota and were stealing flat screen TVs. And Target came out with Mm. a statement and said, we understand (laughs) the CEO of Target came out and said, well, what do do you understand here? And what are you actually teaching those individuals going forward? Which is that if you have a feeling and you're upset about anything that authorizes you to become a criminal. I mean, it's so there is the cultural reinforcement. So it's happening on on a micro scale when you see psychiatrists and psychologists participating in this and they're dealing with an individual on a cultural scale when you see CEOs basically saying, we deserve to be robbed. We totally get it. Everyone was issuing statements like we deserve this. It's horrible. But what we've done so we understand why you're becoming a criminal. And I mean, other culture example, I I could give you so many of them. Uh, Prince Harry, you know, he's another person. He's a he's a example of too much, too much therapy. Uh, uh, something bad happened to you when you were a child, so you can just be awful to your own family and everyone needs to understand that and pretend that what you're doing is rational. So we're seeing way too much of it all across the board right now. It's generations come up with an excuse and allow evil to take place.
0: And, and I don't want to uh, diminish the importance of being able to have a professional sit in a room with you and empathize with you, that, that you have to have that, you need that. And, and by the way, understanding something and then treating something is very different than allowing and endorsing behaviors it's very different you like you said it's okay so mom beat me okay now let's do let's work on the trauma with various kinds of techniques to reintegrate your brain not revivify the past this is another thing revivifying the past is not helpful it's about the body has a has a Trauma leaves an impact on the body function and the brain function, and you have to sort of rewire that and reintegrate that, uh, and then take a good look. Now you're looking at the world from a different place, and we help you make better choices with your your life and uh, you know other things. That's it's odd that you were seeing something different go on, and it, it makes sense to me that maybe that's why the streets are so full. Uh, you know, we're giving people crack pipes and heroin without understanding those are murder weapons. And this is a progressive illness. The other part that people don't seem to get is that many of these conditions are progressive, they they end in terrible places. And if we don't break through the denial, the anosognosia, we are contributing to people's demise, and we are contributing to them deteriorating to the point that they do do bad things. And then what have we done? That was a good thing now. Yeah. It, it, so I can blame your generations. what you're saying. I, I can blame, mm-hmm. I can blame you and yours. Uh, Absolutely. So like, yeah, you can. <laughs> I don't think so. I'm not ready to do that. I, I don't do that because uh, I, I have noticed there are some interesting features, uh, including it, it does, it doesn't feel that different than what happened in the sixties and seventies. It, it really doesn't. It's very similar. Uh, and it just has a different. Context and a different, you know, set of priorities to it, but the but the thinking and the we figured it out finally, and everything is because of society. And only only listen. I was talking to Adam kroll about this this morning because we we both remember when twenty six year olds were saying don't don't trust anybody over thirty. Twenty six year olds. There's denial about your own biology and your own aging and your own participation <laughs> in society and human motivation. All that is denied. All that is denied. Where did that come from? Is that academia?
2: I, I, a part of it is academia it's one piece of it it's academia academia working in lockstep with culture working in lockstep with um uh, even like the breakdown of family and government and the things that are happening in that regard and that's what i talk about all the time on my podcast it's 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 really those three pillars, you know, you have the family pillar that's being destroyed, which is where you go to reinforce your values as a stable mom, dad, nuclear family unit. And now that is basically being laughed at, you know, it's like if you have a normal family, it's abnormal. Everything's gotta be weird and everyone's gotta, you know, have an issue or fly their freak flags high. And then you have uh, the culture, which Hollywood is being the biggest piece, because people, I think when families are broken down, will still pursue what has been shown, will pursue that paternity and maternity elsewhere, right? So if mom and dad are not at home around the dinner table, what are those kids Mm -hmm. looking up to? And that becomes cultural figures. They're looking up to, well, what is Taylor Swift saying that I should be supporting? What is Beyonce saying that I should be supporting? And this is why there's such a stranglehold, I think, in Hollywood to enforce the same ideas over and over again. If you step outside of the bounds of what they say is acceptable, you know, they come after you. You that's the truth. It's Hollywood is very much well, a it, cult. Cult comes from the word yeah. culture. Um, yeah, and, and when you get to yeah.
0: the media generally, though, it, it it you know when you talk about the com, you know being a sinner and being come af, got, gone after for being impure, these are all the 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 territory that religion has normally filled, right? The excesses right. of religion, frankly. So when we right. don't have some of the beneficial aspects of religion and religious communities and something outside of ourself, which is a very important concept, we fill with the, these other teams and these other talismans and these other uh, uh, sort of uh, purification processes where we go after yeah, others.
2: Right. Idolatry. And that's and why that that pillar of faith is so important. And it's why I say that there's no such thing as an atheist. You show me someone that thinks they're an atheist. I'll show you what they believe in. They become radical about something that seems there's no way you care as much about this. You know, they're radical in the streets. We need an abortion at nine months in the womb. How did you get here? right? This has become a faith for you. They become radical about climate change. You know, their whole life is spent blocking traffic and throwing paint and, you know, they become eco zealots. Um, They become radical about BLM. You know, that's somebody that's spiritually devoid, spiritually void and and filling that with something else. It is isn't possible to not seek some sort of spiritualism. So when it's misplaced spiritualism and it becomes these other topics, it can be very scary. And I talk about that in the documentary as we go on. And I talk about what is it about Stephen Avery that compelled these people? When you see this one woman in a later episode and she's crying and she's crying in a way that I just, I couldn't stop looking at her. I was like, we just need to keep showing this because she doesn't know Mm. this man. She's crying like she's just lost her father, right? She just, and I said, Mm. "What, what are we actually looking at? This is a spiritual void and she has replaced it mm. with something else. And that something else for her was Stephen Avery. Wow. Fascinating.
0: Wow. Yes, fascinating. But but embedded in that behavior is a grandiosity, right? She grandiose, gonna save him. This I care so much. This is grandiose caring, which we've seen lots of during COVID. Grandiose, which is the opposite of humility, and the opposite of putting your faith in something higher than yourself, whatever that is for you. I don't care. Uh, th- this needs to. This is what that's all there for to, to buffer against some of these tendencies of the human soul uh that, that uh, towards these excesses and because of, i i've also become obsessed recently with the french revolution i was just told yesterday that uh, parents clarence thomas lately has been obsessed with this too because the it, it's different context different outcomes you know there's a lot of differences but but the language some of the by the psychologies the you know being pure enough you know the other thing we're starting to see now is everyone ends up in the guillotine. Nobody's pure enough, and they start eating themselves, mm-hmm. which is an inevitable, also a mathematical inevitability of this these excesses. But uh, it it is interesting how we've gone through these historical moments very much like this. Um, do you have any thoughts about that? Then, we're, then what I would do is I want to take a break, uh, I, then I want to show you my history with making a murder, and we'll go more into the docuseries. But any thoughts about that historical kind of yeah, sort of cycling of these issues?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it shows that we never learn our lessons from history. What is what is the lesson of the French Revolution? Just as you said, no one's ever pure enough. You know, it, it turns into absolute chaos. And what happens after chaos? Dictatorship arises <laughs> inevitably. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's one of the things monarchies. That we, I was you can have a monarchy too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and so yes, you are absolutely right. There are lessons from the past that everybody should be exploring. And it seems that we never do learn our lessons. And there are a lot of similarities in terms of what's going on in America today when you try to really contextualize it and understand. Um, because it is chaotic. It is definitely chaotic. But I think that elements of it are intentional. And it's why when something going back to your point about COVID or what you started the episode with, um, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's uh, very scary. I
0: I wrote a book about yeah, it is scary. I wrote a book about narcissism, and I wanted to put a chapter in about the French Revolution because it was the only period of history I could think of in the sort of at least close to modern era, where narcissism and childhood trauma and all that was so prevalent in a population. Mm-hmm. And I was, wanted to use it as a model of saying, well, this is where it can go. It goes to scapegoating. It goes to aggression. It goes to envy. These are these are the liabilities of narcissism. I was told it was too speculative. If i would written that damn chapter and stuck with my I guns. Know, you should have written been, it there. Uh, yeah, there said, is definitely something there. And- and
2: atheism and narcissism go hand in
0: hand. They do again, that, that grandiose sense that the self is all, uh, the above self all becomes else, the God. That, that's
2: good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of a dangerous place for humans to be humility, transcendence. Those are much healthier places. Candace Owen, uh, again, you can tell us how they get the docu-series. If like, what are the steps they go through if they want to watch it?
2: Well, first and foremost, if you want to watch the first episode to see if you're even interested, we have it available for free on YouTube. We premiered it on X, and now it's for free on YouTube. Got millions of views. People are loving it. And then if you love that episode, you can still watch it for free on Daily Wire+. Plus. So head over to dailywireplus.com, watch a second episode for free. And I have no doubt that after the second episode, you are going to be absolutely hooked and you're going to want to subscribe to dailywire.com to watch the rest. It's really interesting to unpack what they left out and how they attempted the documentary makers I'm referring to, to soften his crimes in the past. And there's some huge things that are coming in, kind of gonna come out in the future that I think is really going to leave the truther community I don't, I don't know what they're going to think. I mean, there's just no way that you can defend Stephen Avery uh, after even more comes out. I'm trying not to give anything away. But yes, dailywireplus.com is where you can watch it all.
0: All right, we'll be right back after this. Fall is right around the corner, which means dry, flaky red skin from allergy season is coming with it. But the best way to take care of your skin is with our skincare secret, Genucel. You don't need to worry about that puffy, tired eye look or those annoying dark spots or even dry flaky skin because genucel skincare has you covered susan and i love our genucel products so much we want you to try our personally curated skincare bundles It's risk-free at GenuCell.com slash Drew. GenuCell works so well, you can see the results in this unplanned live moment on our show when the Redness Repair Cream repaired my skin in just minutes right before your eyes. Their concentrated vitamin C serum helps keep your skin plump and hydrated. Plus, with their immediate effects, you can see astonishing results in under 12 hours. Quick, effective, and easy. Go to GenuCell.com slash Drew right now to try our bundles and save over 60% today. And remember to enroll in Genucel's world-class concierge program for additional savings and free shipping. Don't wait. It's genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash D-R-E-W. I want to share with you a teeth whitening system that goes beyond merely enhancing your smile. Primal Life Organics Real White Teeth Whitening System offers convenience and rapid results without harsh chemicals. Light, blue light for whitening. Red light for gum and oral hygiene, and you can just do both if you wish. Works naturally, promoting gum healing, tooth remineralization, gives you a brighter and a healthier smile. Again, no peroxide involved. Consistent usage yields remarkable results. Take this opportunity to transform your smile and at the same time, optimize your oral health. Aim for five times a week for the best outcomes. Discover more about this remarkable teeth whitening system and other products at drdrew.com slash primal today. That again is drdrew.com slash P-R-I-M-A-L. Be sure to use that link for 60% off. dot com slash P-R-I-M-A-L. Do it today for 60% off. So the new series is Convicting a Murderer. Candace Owens is with us and Candace, I want to play you the opening of my HLN program back in the day when this was a uh, hot documentary and uh, you'll hear my thoughts off the top of my head. So here we go. Nancy Grace thinks Stephen Avery guilty. I think Stephen Avery guilty. What? We're continuing the conversation about the documentary Making a Murderer. Thousands of you want him set free. The two convicted murderers. It doesn't matter what any of us want. Frankly, the jury has spoken. But if you've only seen the Netflix series, you have not seen all the evidence. A documentary with a particular point of view, leaving out a lot and only showing you courtroom proceedings and only interviewing the defense. And there wow. it was, and uh, I didn't know. Yeah, I, I was. I knew something was wrong, <laughs> and I didn't know all what you know now. What with the documentary, your documentary viewers, viewers are going to learn. But I, you know, the one thing that jumped out at me is, was how they vilified the uh, the prosecutor, because he turned out to have been addicted to opiates. Therefore, he was a bad person, and everything he was doing was a drug addict. Did you did you know that part of the story that he was addicted during the case?
2: No, I actually had no idea that like, he was dicked during the case. You know, I was uh, really focused on unpacking the Avery clan history. There's a reason why I'm calling them yeah. a clan uh, because, yeah. obviously, for me, what's interesting when you think of someone who would ever rape and and stab and shoot somebody is did what were the indications before, right? Because people don't usually start yeah. with something yeah. like that. I Maybe mean, even burned her in a fire Correct. pit. She's very extreme. So there's got to be, to me, yes. I was thinking, what what are the indicators from his past, and therefore just so many violent indicators down from torturing animals uh, to torturing people to, you know, uh, what he did to his cousin, what he did to his niece, what he did to his own daughter leaving hickeys on her neck. I mean, it was just, there was so much there that indicated that he's a sexual deviant and he's violent. And he was already serving, which people did not understand or at least, you know, wasn't clarified. Part of the sentence that he was serving wasn't just for something that he didn't do, but it was also six years for something that he did do, which was violent and was against yes. a woman. Yes. So it was just incredible yeah. to me, but I actually did not know about that aspect of pertaining to the prosecutor being addicted to opiates at the time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And we're the feminists, by the way, in this particular case, a lot of his horrible behavior was directed towards women, right?
2: Right. And these were two lesbian filmmakers from New York who did this. From New York. I mean, that's even compelling. You're talking about the Me Too people, right? This is like you're talking about liberal women. <laughs> from New York who made this docu-series who would, you know, later go on. The next wave of feminism would be the Me Too movement, right? Which is we should believe every single allegation that comes from a woman. And that's why, as I said, it was especially horrific to realize that it, I felt that Teresa Hallback wasn't just murdered in this life, but she was murdered in the afterlife. And she was murdered in the afterlife by mm-hmm. by these two female documentary makers. And it's it's really sad. And what people don't think about often enough is... That this is real life. It's not fantasy, right? And so you had celebrities like Alec Baldwin, Chrissy Teigen, all of the usual suspects, Trevor Noah, leading the charge to suggest that this man was innocent, which ultimately led to radical conspiracy theories and led to the family who were, you know, remarkable. They were dignified, they were a Catholic family, and they really never spoke to the press. But it led to them being harassed mm. with conspiracy theories. So think about having your young mm. daughter with her whole life ahead of her, brutally raped, murdered, burned, stabbed, shot. And then on top of that, the bonus that you get mm. is that Netflix creates a series and makes everybody think you're lying. And people believe that she didn't even die, that she was down in Mexico somewhere. That's, that's how demented these conspiracy theories got, despite all of the evidence that she was murdered.
0: So the prosecutor was named Ken Kratz. And I interviewed him a couple of times when he was sober. He's actually, I think he's still sober. He was in the program. He was very committed to the program. Uh, and what he told me was that the thing that upset him most, aside from the fact that the documentary left out of important information and he wasn't allowed to present important information in the courtroom even, but what bothered him the most was what happened to the uh, nephew, I forget his name, Donahue or something, the,
2: the young kid. And,
0: and that... Dassey. And, and that uh, I had trouble with that police interview that they did to him too. That that was a little odd that the police sort of well, this kid was impaired, you know, and they, they had no one there with him to to um, defend him while he was sort of manipulated through a, a little bit of a of a interview. I, I get that. I get. I got people's criticism of that. I agreed with that, but. What you didn't know, and I don't know if you uncovered this, and Ken Crest told me, is that he offered him like a ten-year plea bargain or something, mm-hmm. and that the f- and the family wouldn't allow it because it would leave Stephen implicated or out in the cold at least, and this kid ends up getting convicted.
2: Well, unfortunately, you just given a spoiler what? in my docu series.
0: <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 I didn't I'm know. It's already totally. Hey, sorry,
2: sorry. I'm totally <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay, you are absolutely <laughs> sorry. correct. You are absolutely correct about that, and I'm glad because I, I just had to give something in this interview. I'm like, there's just something that I want to say, but <laughs> I will push back on the notion that the police did anything wrong when interviewing Brennan Dassey, and that's going to be a huge thing. Please um, tell me. You know, they edited down that police interview. Uh, people didn't know how he ended up alone. They showed you one of multiple interviews. They didn't show you how the interview came about, and when I say that those police gave him any and every out, and that his, you know, mother was informed. I mean, they did everything right, and so I really stand by how well, Brendan Dassey was interviewed. You're when right. You see it in its so, entire context. So listen. The second thing yeah. I want to ask you, and this is for your opinion, because you are correct. People yeah. are more sympathetic towards him. You are also correct that he could have gotten out earlier were it not for his selfish uncle and the family rallying around the uncle and not really caring what happened to Brendan Dassey. But you know, it's interesting to me when people use. Okay. He's 16 years old. And so he was sort of used when he was like, you know, drawn into this crime with his uncle and people will say, you know, he was impaired. Was he stupid? Yes. Was he mentally impaired? No. Um, in, in mm-hmm. my view. And I think that will we show okay. that because somebody that's mentally impaired would never have been able to recall in such detail over X amount of interviews, the way that he was able to recall everything. Most criminals are stupid, by the way, Um, So I don't know when that became an excuse for creating, you know, to to do these things. But, you know, as a 16-year-old, we have an idea of right and wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And and it's very obvious that Brendan, and again, I'm not going to try to give any spoilers, knew that what he had done was wrong. How he even came about Mm -hmm. on the police radar, how his name came about was, because Brendan knew that what he had done was wrong. Brendan was struggling with his own things. So what is our take? Because I, I think of this as Teresa Hallback. She's six years older than Brendan Dassey. She's also a young woman. Her whole life has been taken away from her. Do we look at when we say, okay, but well, a 16-year-old did this. So this person, I, I mean, I don't, I, if he got 10 years for killing my daughter. If he had actually gotten just 10 years mm. for killing my daughter, I would, because he was 16, I would be absolutely outraged. Right. So where is that moral line in society? When do we we say you can go to war in two years? You can you know, you can do this. You can smoke cigarettes. You can drink in X amount of years. When is 16 too young? And when is it too old? Because right now in this country, we're saying that a a six year old can decide to, you know, what their gender, (laughs) a four year old can decide their gender and their their sexuality. Um, And yet we have this thing. Oh, but a 16, when they commit a crime, they're just a child.
0: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or another on this. I, I, I am troubled by all of it, just as, as you are. Not, maybe not. I, I'm, a, I, I'm so moderate on all things. I, I'm trying to always arrive at the right place. Um, but yeah. these things obviously are troubling. And on, in Brandon's case, you know, of course, just let, I, here's what I can say about my opinion is, guess what? I believed the uh, documentarians when they say this kid was just pulled out of the classroom and thrown in that uh, thrown in that interview. That's what the documentary said. So you're right. I took at face value the circumstance that they paint, which in fact you're telling me even that was false. And and you're right. Uh, I should not have. I should have doubted everything about that documentary. <laughs> yeah. But it shows how our how our minds work. Right? Is that okay? Yeah. Or oh, you're following along the story. And they say they'd pull out of the classroom and thrown alone and with these cops, and they clearly had an agenda. It's like, huh, okay, well, kind of, all right. As opposed to going, wait a minute, these bitches, excuse me, these, 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 <laughs> to cut that out, I didn't say that. The, these, these, I didn't mean that. I apologize for that. That was that was out of line. But but the point is, I felt <laughs> manipulated. And that's why I was using such harsh language. There we go. Thank you. Uh, 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 and that that if they're manipulating me throughout the thing, I, I should assume that they're manipulating me with that stuff too. At least that's what you're telling me. That there was grave right. grave Absolutely, they were manipulating people. Even, even that, even that. And uh, yeah. I I really I should not have said that. I deeply apologize. That was absolutely out of line. And. Uh, it was adeline susan it's, go ahead you Susan's know what, given
2: what they did to teresa hallback's okay. legacy i am i'm going to say you are forgiven for using that because i yeah, right. definitely had to stop myself from using stronger language throughout it's the series when you really understood how much they manipulated people and at like i said tremendous detriment to teresa's family and the horrors that they lived through and i come at that um, as a mother, you know, just I, I just kept thinking if, if this horrific thing happened to my child and two documentary makers just were like, la la la, we can make some money and we can manipulate audiences and we're going to use the Brendan Dassey storyline to manipulate them, make them feel bad, make them believe that the police did everything wrong. You know, it's it's infuriating. Uh, it's infuriating to examine all of this stuff in the retrospect and realize what they had access to and what they declined uh, to use. And so, yeah, I was I was very. Well, I'm still very upset with these I, I, documentary makers because they were yes, received an I, Emmy for this. And I, Teresa Hallback's legacy, still you have a, pe- a cult of individuals yeah. who believe that she's not even dead.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we leave it there. I think both of us are upset by this, all of this, and my language sort of <laughs> shows how how, how much I, I'm losing myself, thinking about uh, you know the, being manipulated and manipulating an audience and changing the legacy of a of a dead person and. And, yeah. and it just it just it worry, it worries me so much in the context of so many other manipulations that are going on in the media today, whether intentionally or not, you know, I don't I don't know that people are setting out to manipulate, but it makes you worry. It, it, I pulled up a, a thing here from a book written by somebody named Merlew Juiced. Have you ever heard of that person? Mirlu Juiced. I no, Juiced Merlu. Okay. This is no, a this is them. a psychoanalyst who He's a psychoanalyst who brought in millions of victims, data on millions of victims of, amongst other things, Nazi terror. He studied mass formation psychosis. He studied, he's, mm-hmm. I think he's been gone for a long time. It was, it was first published in 1960. And he's. I'm gonna show you the different elements that he concluded were necessary for this to be effective, this mass formation. Menticide, and individual mental submission. You had to get people to submit. Uh, Pavlovian conditioning, he said that you would condition people with certain you know sort of uh, response response qualities, um, the roots of mass brainwashing, uh, outsourcing the responsibility to think for themselves. If you outsource that responsibility that is that is set up for brainwashing, weaponization of fear, we've certainly seen that, uh, and mental contagion. So those are sort of the elements uh, that set these things up. And I think uh, we have been through a a giant wave of something like that with COVID. And uh, I think we need to be on the lookout. We have to be very cautious uh, if we see anything like this again. in a way, this thing you're talking about was that it was sort of a mass brainwashing uh, operation. Yeah.
2: And And, it happens um, in so many different regards. It really does over and over again. And I am fascinated by it. And you see all of those elements. And I really like the idea of of outsourcing thinking because that's what what really happens when you start saying (laughs) things like trust the experts, trust the experts, trust the experts. So don't at all think about you know, common sense, or thinking about your experiences, or thinking about what you know about it. Even if you had this illness, you must just outsource your thinking in terms of COVID. And I think with documentary makers, they're outsourcing the thinking, and they think, oh, well, it's a documentary, so obviously they're they're committed to telling the truth. We naturally accept. Uh, a documentary as concrete proof of something—it's weird. We don't have the same relationship with the media. We'll say, "Oh, I don't trust it because it's left-leaning," or "I don't, I don't trust it because it's right-leaning." But when it comes to documentary, oh, that this just me, must be right in the middle, and they're just interested in telling us the facts. And actually, the history of documentaries, which we show in episode ten of this docu series, has always been laden with propaganda. That, that and so it's—it it's, is interesting that we trust documentaries. Um, to always tell us the truth and to assume that there is no angle when all documentaries do have an angle, angle which is fine, again, as long as the people that are making it are forthcoming with what they actually believe.
0: I'm most uh, pleased to see that you've not lost your ability to smile and laugh at some of these things. Your sense of humor is still intact. <laughs> and that's, that is delightful to see uh, <laughs> because uh, it, it is uh, a, a nice... Um, bromide for the, the present moment. So thank you for that. And thank you for spending some time with us. Appreciate it very much. Again, tell them where to go to, to watch the doc and to follow you.
2: you. Guys, you can watch the first episode for free on YouTube. Then you're going to head over to Daily Wire Plus. You can watch the second episode for free. And if you subscribe because you are so hooked, which I promise, that you will be because it's amazing, especially if you're a woman. I don't know, women, we really love a true crime mystery. We're all about that psychology. You're going to be very Mm -hmm. interested because it's going to force you to examine your own psychology while also being able to take a look at somebody who I have to agree with the judge in this case uh, might be one of the more dangerous people in our society. Uh, so thank you guys so much there thus far. It's been a tremendous success. Stephen Avery is allegedly leading a charge from prison for people to downvote convicting victim murderer on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. So Let me encourage you, if you are mm. watching, to upvote it because the Avery cult is coming at us, but it's been a smash success and it's only because of the people that follow and support. So I'm grateful to everyone and grateful to you, Dr. Drew, for taking this time to talk about the docuseries with me.
0: And thank you. It was a pleasure to watch it at Real Candace. Oh. We will see you, I hope, soon someday.
2: Absolutely. See you guys soon.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Candace. And uh for us, uh Caleb, do you want to take a couple calls? Or, yeah. You know, Susan wants to take a sure. couple calls. Take are we, some calls. Are we okay for them? All right. So uh if I see people have raised their hand already, so I will go ahead and uh I'm pulling. I think you were having there. a
3: little PTSD there from HLN days.
0: Me? Yeah. Is that what happened? I got <laughs> me. My, yeah, my nervous system got a little uh, overheated. Yeah, the, I hope Caleb took care of that. Had some
3: flashbacks.
0: Caleb, did you take care of that, or do I have to worry about <laughs> what, what's what's next for me? It's okay. Caleb, are you there. I. Uh, it, uh, as long as you didn't call
3: Candice a bitch. That's yeah,
1: yeah. As uh, yeah, it, as long as you didn't say the word, the I word or the H word. I think we're fine. So <laughs> those are the only things <laughs> well, bad these wanna, days.
0: I I really was, I was unfair to some people that I I said, I I shouldn't be calling people names. I just don't like that. And it just flipped that it fell out of my mouth. So please- I don't
3: know, I feel like you had some HLM passion fly out.
0: Yeah, Back that would have been days. curtains if I'd done that on HLN. I think um, <laughs> it's. True. It, it's it, but please do uh, my apologies again. I, I don't like it when I when I go to excess like that. Uh, just uh, ripped, <laughs> just ripped a bong hit. You have to uh, unmute your speaker.
3: <laughs> Did you? Yeah.
0: Or else I'm gonna have to go to uh, somebody else here.
3: He's ripping a bong hit.
0: Right no, now. he just ripped a bong hit. <laughs>
2: uh i'm here okay we kind of
0: there you are what's going oh, on here. friend? i'm here here we are we hear you okay we hear you what's going on
1: oh cool right on okay so while well, you got candace and you on the phone you guys to me it just sounds like you're talking about a bunch of hearsay and gossip you guys aren't even discussing the murder room like None of these I, I people know. Have I'm not, I I'm not
0: I have no I have no expertise in that. I just do remember uh talking about it with the prosecutor and a lot of that was uh kept from the public. That's what he was telling me. Whether or not that's true or not, I have no way of knowing. Has, Candace, have you read the filings? Can, Candace Candice is not no longer here. It's just me. Oh, so we okay, you can ask for that in sort so, of absentia. It,
1: it really sounds like to me that I, first of all, um, I expected more from you, to be honest, to have a little more hardball question, seeing this is so serious. You have two men in there that are in there for life, and, and there is zero, zero evidence that leaks them to the murder room at all. They're not even sure if these bones are, are human. They have not even been able to prove that. But the room itself, none of them. You're talking about it was, dis- uh, it was described as a bloody massacre, a rape, torture scene, and the slitting of a throat, yet there's no blood in that room at all. There is no evidence of any of them in there. And you're going to tell me that these two were competent enough in that short amount of time to clean that up perfectly? What are the odds? And even if they had a uh. lifetime to clean that up perfectly, what are the odds?
0: As I recall, the the yeah no, you're, you're talking to somebody that's not an expert in this case. You could watch Candace's documentary. I remember that point, though. Yeah, my my recollection is that there was a lot of focus on the trunk of the car, and there was blood in the trunk of the car, and that the the question was, did this all go on outside in the fire pit or next to that or something, and that and that's where the real uh, exsanguination occurred. I, I don't know. I don't have an opinion about it. So thank you for raising this, that. A, and people can watch the documentary. Go ahead.
1: This this might be related. I'm, I cut some clips from your HLN episode. This might have some of those things there. Let me see.
0: Is Therese's this the car bullet car and all that? Found in plain view on a bookshelf in Avery's bedroom. Avery's DNA was on the key. Blood was found in a torn package inside, was, blood was found in the car.
2: The police claim that he killed her in his garage, but his DNA was everywhere, but not one speck of her DNA.
0: Except on the bullet.
2: Which was found five months later, Dr. Drew, five months later.
0: So this is the this is the reason people love this case because there's there's questions at least the way it was certainly the way it was presented to the public, but again after talking to the prosecutor he was saying that there was just so much more that than was seen they didn't release that there there was for various reasons you know court proceedings whatnot was not released and. Um, yeah, and, and I don't know. I'm a no expert in this. I'm certainly not a, a – I, I don't even like true crime stuff, but 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 we, we did cover that back then. And I remember feeling like there was something wrong with what was being presented because there were lots of gaps in the information. I still uh, am worried that that kid was, that was interviewed by the cops was sort of – was impaired i mean i know Candace said he wasn't impaired i mean he knows right from wrong yes but he was not sophisticated enough to understand what he was being led through and maybe what the consequences were of what he was doing Uh, i don't understand why he didn't take the plea bargain although i guess candace disagrees that there should have been a plea bargain um you know, do we have, we have to watch the show? Do you have the some of the interview I had with the um the prosecutor there, Caleb? And, and, no, uh, is unfortunately, that unfortunately? I, I don't have
1: that clip yet. I don't have those clips. Okay. I'm not sure if I believe it was right. on, a, on a podcast. I believe that you did, but I, I wasn't able yeah. to get to find the it, exact clips talking
0: about it. Okay, let's try. Is he on uh,
3: this life?
0: FNBS. No, I might have come on that also. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, he, he this was, I don't think that. Oh, I think this. Oh, uh, I think this Hi there. Uh-huh. Hey, you're on. What's up? Hey, hey there.
4: Dr. Drew. Oh my God. This is crazy. This is, this is great really? to hear your voice. I, I used to listen to your, your, your love line show with, uh, with Adam Carolla as, as a kid growing up. And it, it was, uh, it really, uh, planted a lot of seeds that, uh, that grew on me and, and it's stuff that was innate to stuff. I was really interested in stuff you're talking about now and how, just psychology is affecting people and and uh especially in this new terrain with uh, social media and mass media itself yeah. but yeah it's really it's really great to hear your voice are are you going to be doing this more often or
0: we do every Tuesday, Wednesday Thursday at three o'clock it's a streaming show that we really? we also push out oh on Twitter spaces God. yeah yeah we live yes. for a long time yeah, <laughs> yeah great. Great. we, we tend to be great. We, to be but we tend to be talking, I, I tend to talk to physicians and we tend to talk to people that have been silenced. I want to hear what they have to say just because I figure they have, right. why, why would they, why would people so go out of their way to silence people that have dissenting opinions? I, I've never been in a world where that was the case. We sort of take on dissenting opinions to try to.
4: I am yeah. in that world, my friend. And that is, that is kind of the shtick of what I'm, what FNBS kind of is, it, you know, it's fake news bullshit, but it's also a Ford news broadcasting <laughs> system. And I want to like, I want to like kind of standardize an approach in a scientific way in how we receive information. And, and a lot of it has to do with context and sourcing. And these are things that, yeah. that are played upon yeah. by medias. And, and, yeah. and when you, it de- depending on the medium that you're talking about, it, it's really a different animal because when you're getting into yeah. the social media platforms, then you're talking about algorithmic grooming kind of, which is what's happening mm-hmm. is that certain innate qualities that are in humans, you know, we, we're dis- we're predisposed to kind of watching and being attracted to sensationalistic things violence and crime and stuff like that so i mean these things are are what attract our attention are what kind of perpetuate that algorithm and the media themselves they capitalize on that through advertising and and really i mean it, it it also works in in that same regard with uh with traditional media where you know they they show us you know crimes and and violence you you guys are talking about a case that i haven't even heard of thank god because i it it has no fucking Mm -hmm. bearing on my life like i I can't do anything about that and that type of shit happens all the time around me
1: uh -hmm. i I don't know maybe maybe maybe, maybe it's
4: maybe it's a bigger issue i i don't don't need to touch
3: on
0: yeah sorry no it's good i like it i would say, I would say i'd love you to check out dr Ruja tv and look at some of the previous interviews we've done and see if they are you know opening people's minds or are they misinformation or what are we you know just by talking to people are we doing something Proper seems like it seems to me that fresh air, sunlight is our only solution, and it certainly mitigates paranoias. People are less paranoid when you give them access to everything, and it sort of makes you um it doesn't make you offload your thinking. it makes you do the thinking yourself
4: yes yes yeah yeah and 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 you were kind of slowly kind of, you you were suggesting and kind of hinting at that when you when you pointed at the pandemic as as this kind of cause for what's disassociating us and, and kind of disenfranchising us as a whole, kind of thing, because we, we we've been limited from that kind of direct engagement, which is um, definitely screwed with with uh, humanity and, and our our motivations and uh, and it, it just. This is something that is kind of known and the the, the nefarious part about it is that these entities have enough money and capital to do campaigns to cover up their tracks. And they can always, you know, Mm. just kind of stay a little bit ahead of the game. That's why I really, really love and I endorse X because it is Mm. right now as it is, it is an open ground. And with Elon making it open source, it is very valuable. And he seems very inclined to listening to what people have to say. So I can't speak for what's going to happen about, with it, but it is probably like the best chance we have right now in the West, at least for, um, attacking this big problem, because there's enough, uh, yeah, there's enough behind X and, right, uh, right. and he like, yeah, I, I appreciate talking right. to you and, and this, is, this you is, is really great, but, uh, yeah, they're really great to hear your voice, Dr. Drew. You, 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 you really inspired me. And, and, you know, I've gone through my own stuff in my life, but uh, very cool. cool. Hope to maybe get to talk with you again.
0: Well, I'd love your thoughts on what we've been doing. Go, go watch some of that stuff or listen to it and see if, uh, if we're on the right track because that's we're trying to do. Again, as I always tell people, I'm, I'm super moderate and I hate that I'm getting pushed into one camp or another. I, I don't want to go to any camps. I want to just sit and just hear people out, talk, share information, try to get at the truth or something like the truth, or as close as we can get to it humbly. All right, so there we go. Uh, that is today's uh, stream for you. It's been an interesting little ride. Uh, tomorrow, uh, another controversial figure joins us, Dr. Pierre Corey, Kelly you back in here, Lois Lee and John McKinney on, on Thursday. And uh, Ed Dowd comes back uh, on next Tuesday to give us an update on his data. You guys really enjoy him. The and golden it, so boy. He's the golden boy. Susan, any thoughts before I kind of wrap things up here? I'm no. looking at your, the restream and I'm looking it at the Turnout today on Rumble. There was a good turnout? hmm That's because of Candace. Everybody's
3: going to be boycotting YouTube because Russell Brand got demonetized.
0: I, I'm not, I think he got more than demonetized. I, I think they froze his channel or something uh, yeah. for the moment. Uh, certainly demonetized. Uh,
3: I think he was moving over to Rumble anyways. Like, I think that was sort of it, but he kept the other one. Cause he had been censored a few times along the way.
0: All right. Oh, haven't
3: we all welcome the to the restream, club, kids. The
0: restream guys are, are on me for having used a bad word. <laughs> I, I, it's just not, it's not. No, that's cool. Yeah. It's that's Tom okay. cigars. He's I just see the, Tom going nuts. Your... I know what he's they're, doing. What's
1: they're that, getting Caleb? on to you for apologizing for using a bad word. <laughs> I know.
0: No, I know. I know. I know what they're doing. And, and uh, and it, but it's just, it's just not proper. That was form. even
3: funnier. Actually, I apology? couldn't stop giggling. Cause you go, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm it, so it, sorry. Nah,
0: it just was, I just, I, there are certain things I won't apologize Candace for. Candace laughed when you said yeah, it. Though. I know, but that is, that is. Like, I like seeing
3: her smile. It's good.
0: That's just not, I don't know. I don't feel good. I, if I, if I was felt okay about it, I, I wouldn't apologize. I don't well, feel okay about
3: it. It's it was, okay. You get one, one in a while, once in a while. Right. I can do this.
0: Uh, okay. So anyways, I'm looking at you guys on the Rumble Rants. Uh oh my goodness. <laughs> uh Emily Barsh is blowing up my it? computer screen.
3: Tom cigar is in. Also, I like to announce Drew's new show, Troll Dr. Drew. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I but just say
0: Tom's been my trainer, my troll trainer.
3: Things to Drew. <laughs> uh let's
0: see, look at Drew. If you have any questions. Uh yes, I see that, Tom's. Shakane de millions de Dora Son Donne Israel Palisatas Okay, the the United States paying a lot of money to Israel, she's saying, or Eric is saying. Um why not give it to South America? Uh, okay, uh, that's a little off topic. You guys are all going. Uh, yeah,
3: we're on Rumble. Somebody on uh, YouTube, Ellie Flant, mm-hmm. Flint, she said, is Dr. Drew on Rumble also? So we're on Rumble, mm-hmm. YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. So pick your poison. Facebook isn't a lot of people, but we know you're out there.
0: And Eric, who wrote to me in French, it's one of the reasons I got obsessed with the French Revolution. I started listening to a lot of French, uh, French television about history, and I started going down a rabbit hole with the the and and by the way, Eric, I don't know if you're French or not, but the way the French distort the behavior of uh, their patriots, it's just extraordinary. We we used to do that here too a lot. I guess we still do it, just a different way. Um, not so much in terms of how men treat women. There, how men treat women is. Uh, glossed with all kinds of uh cultural uh prettiness with the particular people were great artists all right we'll leave it at that um nice there's some nice But if you
3: don't like youtube you're gonna love rumble because okay. people are kind of fun over there
0: okay we'll leave it at this we thank you we'll see you they guys behave tomorrow, three yeah. o'clock with kelly victor and dr pierre corey we'll see you there Ta ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only.